And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the latest edition of The Audible, presented by Trader Joe's. I am Bruce Feldman, joined as always by my colleague Stuart Mandel. We are taping this episode on Wednesday morning and as we've ta- as we started uh, about an hour ago the SEC had its fourth postponement of this week's stew uh, the Missouri game against Georgia is now been uh, nu- I don't say nuked but it's been taken off the schedule for this weekend so they started out with seven games and they're down to three. And the, remember, this was supposed to be a huge weekend in the SEC. Now, obviously, LSU has struggled on the field, so the LSU-Alabama game didn't carry the magnitude it normally does. Uh, certainly, CBS was going to play up that there's the Masters this weekend, and that ties in. There's a inter a viewership component for certainly ESPN and obviously CBS and now there's only three games left fingers crossed that they can have those three um, it has gotten very very a messy situation has gotten a lot messier I would say uh, at this where do you think this is headed now that we're into mid-November well first of all it's not just an SEC problem it's a college football problem it's a it's a problem across the country obviously with COVID cases reaching record highs um, and no end in sight. I mean, I think it's, most people agree, it's probably going to get worse uh, in the winter months. So last week there were 10 games across college football that were postponed or canceled. As of this recording, and it's only Wednesday morning, there are seven. um, And we're running out of dates to make them up. And that's, I think, the biggest issue the SEC is dealing with now is that Alabama and LSU don't have a common open date uh, in part because LSU already had one game postponed and uh, against Florida, and now that game is being played on the 12th. So at the very least, I think they have to start moving some games to the weekend of the SEC championship game. And it's certainly Florida and Alabama have not, are not close to clinching their divisions, but are the clear in the clear driver's seat. And um, that means that a game like Georgia, Missouri uh, could be played on the 19th. Now, LSU, Alabama is a lot trickier, um, but it's such a, even, even with a downtrodden LSU, it's such a marquee TV game that you would think they'll move, be willing to move, uh, you know, do a lot of shuffling to make it happen. Let me ask you this, Stu. So we're talking about uh, shoehorning games into dates that actually may be either filled or just may not exist in the calendar at this point. Uh, I'm curious to you, because I read your mailbag this morning, and you and I have had some discussions about this very subject offline this week. Uh, one of the things that is added to the complications is 
the back end of the college football schedule, when the playoff is supposed to go, as it's it's related to the bowls, has been locked in. And we are in uncharted waters with the COVID-19 pandemic. And obviously there's no you know, there's no certainties about where this thing is going to be in a couple months or a month or even a couple weeks now. Um, do you think they should have a lot more flexibility and they being the power brokers of college football, the conference commissioners, and certainly the people who factor into the CFP, do you think they need to be more flexible and now more open to the idea that maybe it would be in the, in the sports best interest to bump, back the calendar a couple of weeks i think the problem is if you start bumping the calendar back to make to to make up regular season games i mean my much bigger concern is how are they gonna play the actual playoff games i mean if the right things are going don't just like you know bury your head in the sand there's a strong possibility that you'll get to december 28th and somebody has too many guys out in contact racing and they can't play in the college football playoff semifinal. So then you're going to have to bump that game back, or you might have to bump the national championship back. So, and at some point the guys on those teams, these are really good teams full of NFL prospects need to start preparing for the draft. So I don't sense an appetite to push it back at all. Um, But I also, anytime I ask about this, like, are you guys considering what to do if the games get canceled? It, there's been very little thought you can tell there's been very little I mean I'm sure they've thought about it but there are not any formal contingency plans yet and there needs to be because this is not um, this is not going to suddenly end on December 1st or December whatever um, the same uh, larger trends that are contributing to col- to regular season games being postponed will definitely hover over bowl season and, and the playoff not exempt from that before i want to i want to get back to something else you wrote this morning that i i thought was interesting in your in your column but um, one thing that has come up a lot is contact tracing and i think it gets talked about and i think there's a chunk of you know people who assume that wait there's daily testing why do you need contact tracing and look there there's examples of this where you can look in the big 10 wisconsin was the first school that really got hit hard by the impact of this in terms of they went from one positive test a couple of days before they played Illinois. Next thing you know, a week later, it goes to like 28 within the program or 27. I mean, that's in a week. And the risk is once, you know, if you have somebody who maybe the virus is incubating in, um, then it can spread. I mean, you know, we've heard stories out at Baylor when they had a road trip, I believe it was to West Virginia earlier in the year, where they thought they had a false positive, a false negative uh, person who had the virus. And then it went from like, when they came back from like two to nine to, you know, another nine. And they had to shut down the program for a week. And the only reason why players were allowed to the facility was just a test. Um, and so that is that is the concern on the contact tracing. Just because you didn't test for it the next day doesn't mean you may not have it a couple of days later. And so where it's gotten very, um, I guess, very, very uh, delicate is, is who fits into the category of the contact trace. Um, 
you know, in some instances you hear, it's like, well, if these players are roommates, I mean, it's hard to think that roommates are going to be wearing masks at home. You're a college student. Even if you're being cautious, you're probably not wearing a mask unless you're living with your like 90 year old grandmother. So I think when schools try to sort out some of this now, um, from my understanding at Cal, it feels like it might be more an overreach of this where you had uh, a, a player at a position group, a defensive line, who had uh, a positive test. They were meeting outside as a position group in a, in a space that was marked off from a social distance standpoint. And so that's, I think, different than if you're living in a, in a house or in a dorm with somebody who has tested positive. And so as, you know, look, everything is kind of a fluid situation with this. But I also think some of these things have been open to interpretation. And now you're also factoring in a handful of these schools may have had a lot of players test positive early on, long before the season and the games were played, but also probably in that 90 that ninety day window where they may have tested positive, that may be over 90 days now. So they could be they could be caught up in the contact tracing part of this too. So I just think there's a lot of factors going on that have made this um, that have made this even more problematic as it relates to just having games and having the numbers of players to have games. Um, what I wanted to ask you on this though, and you wrote about this this morning, is we've seen a bubble work in in the NBA. We've seen it work in the WNBA. We've seen it work in the NHL. Now, Major League Baseball had some version of a bubble at the end of the season in the playoffs. Um, the idea that you could have four teams in some version of a bubble in some city, it would not be cheap. But as you raised, the CFP is making a fortune. So why don't you walk people through what you how you think that could work? Yeah, and the thing is, it's so much trickier in college football because it's not a centralized organization um, like Major League Baseball, like the NBA. The college football playoff is run by the commissioners of the conferences. So they would, to do something like that, they would have to, in the middle of their you know already perplexing season, get together and, and come up with that. And I, I just, realistically, is it going to happen? Probably not, but but they should. Um I think we're headed toward us, you know, you cross your fingers and hope for the best, but we could be headed toward a scenario where these are three of the most watched sporting <coughs> events of the year in any sport. They ESPN pays $608 million a year on average, you know, over the course of the deal to televise those games and the other New Year's Six Bowls. You want those games to get played and played on the times that they're supposed to, those, those valuable January 1st dates. So, look, this is a time when schools are out for the most part. And even if they are back, most of them are doing remote learning anyway, so it wouldn't be like they're missing class. Um, I, I just think, why couldn't you? Why couldn't you? And we're, and we're talking about not a, not, you know, I don't remember how many NBA teams were in the bubble, but we're talking about four teams. Granted, they, you know, a college football team would probably bring 150 people, um, but, you know, you get a couple of hotels, they make sure they're the only people in those hotels, you test them every day. You transport them back and forth to practice or to the games, and and that's it. No contact with anybody outside of that. Um, I think 
it should work, right? I mean, I, it's much more complicated than I'm sure I'm I'm portraying it right now. But I mean, there was they did that for the for the baseball playoffs in in Dallas, the Dallas area, and uh, there was one positive test, and it came in the what the the fourth inning of the last game of the whole thing. So it can work, um, but it's a matter of I think college football more than other sports tends to be. Well, that's just not the way it's done. You know, we got to we got to play the Rose Bowl on January first in Pasadena. There's not even going to be fans at the Rose Bowl this year. They don't need to play that game in Pasadena. They can they can play that game uh, in Dallas or whatever city you choose for this bubble. And if you can't do that, at the very least, I would consider moving the semifinals to campuses. So at least uh, that cuts down travel for two of the teams. Um, you know, I just I just think the the, the setup that it's, that we normally have, you're talking about four teams getting on flights, traveling to Pasadena and New Orleans, staying in a hotel for three nights, coming back, and then two of those teams turn around and fly to Miami the next week, in the peak of the of the pandemic. I mean, let's let's be realistic here. That's problematic. Okay, Stu, back to the podcast in a second, but now a word from our sponsor, LinkedIn talent solutions when you are hiring for your small business you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role that's why you have to check out linkedin jobs linkedin jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free linkedin isn't just a jobs board linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within the first 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So, Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash audible. That's linkedin.com slash audible to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So let me let me throw this at you. So to me, one of the big issues moving it back is, as you said, ESPN is paying a fortune for this. And how do they make that work? Uh, on the uh, as viable as they can and what that ties into and we've talked about this when it doesn't relate to the pandemic just on how the calendar would break about what those dates mean and as a relationship to, to prime viewing windows 
So the NFL wild card window. Remember this year, a little bit as you referred to with the NBA playoffs, and and, and I think you did with baseball because it was a different playoff model. So you're going to have six wild card games this year in the NFL, and they're going to be on the weekend of the 9th and the 10th of January. So that makes it, um, you know, probably a little more clouded, right? Now, obviously, you know, Fox, who I work for, and obviously in full disclosure, they don't have the playoff and they have, they don't have the college football playoff. They obviously have the NFL. CBS doesn't have the CFP. They have NFL. So it's just like this, this becomes, you know, how does ESPN, if it, if this, if the conference commissioners are on board with saying, hey, this might be our best scenario, how do they shoehorn that into a calendar? Because remember, the NFL, with that many games, the NFL is going to dominate that weekend, right? And yeah, you wouldn't be able to play that weekend. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I remember gaming this out in sometime in the summer, uh, maybe when the Big Ten was starting to talk about coming back and seeing if we could, you know, indeed push it back to allow them to get more games in Pac-12 as well. Uh, and I, I remember, I can't remember what I came up with. So right now, it looks like. The NFL is playing Saturday at 1 Eastern, 440 Eastern. You can't do it. There are six games on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. And then the following weekend, they they pretty much dominate that too because you have four games because the now it's you have four games on the 17th. I'm sorry, two games on the 16th, two games on the 17th. So could you use, you know, that as a lead-in or maybe you're going to be on the front end of it or you're going to be on the back end of it depending on the time of day that's not ideal for them but you can't do a double header then i mean i guess you can but you you know you're gonna lose a big chunk of your audience what you think your viewing audience because of just how much of a juggernaut the nfl uh fan fandom is I think you would have to play on like Thursday night, like play one on Thursday night and one on Friday night or play a, a Thursday double header, um, which again, these are, they pay so much money to show these games that get 20, 30 million viewers and you're, you would just be decimating that. So, and you're, and you'd be losing, you, you just don't get a better window than January 1st. This happens to be a year when the semis are at the Rose and the Sugar Bowl and they're January one, you know, the, the ratings are always higher in those years. So, they really want to play on those dates. That's why there's no momentum to, you know, to go ahead and push it back now. And then, you know, I think it's, they're just going to, I think the commissioners themselves, I think have long ago accepted that we just might not get all our games in and that's fine. You know, we, if somebody plays 10 in the sec and somebody else plays nine, so be it. Now the teams might not be happy about that. The fans might not be happy about that, but that to them is the most practical solution. Um, so I don't think they're going to push it back preemptively, but I do think they might need to start finding some backup dates in case games need to be pushed back. Do you think that they would actually play playoff games on a weekday, not on a Monday night, on a Thursday or Friday, though? Well, what choice would they have once they get into the NFL? You're not going to show those games opposite NFL playoff games. There's just it's it would be a, 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 a you know a great way to make sure that your audience is cut in half or worse. So what, what choice would you, I mean, you just talked about how, I mean, I guess the, if you get past the wild card weekend and, and the next weekend, there's only two games each day, you could squeeze one in on Saturday and one on Sunday. But now you're talking about 
okay, if the semis aren't till January 16th and 17th, then the championship's not till a week or more later. Like I said earlier, at what point are guys going to say, you know what, as much as I'd love to win a national championship, man, I got to start training for the combine. Um, it's, it's a headache. So again, guys, think about that bubble. I think it, it would be worth the, yeah, it would cost you a ton of money, but you make $608 million from this thing. Um, there'd still be plenty to go around. I mean, Stu, I mean, the bubble is one thing. It's the fitting it into a window of a later date that, um, to me is the harder, like just knowing how the TV business works. No, I'm saying you do the bubble to make sure or give you the best possible chance that you do play these on schedule because I think this is not, you know, right now we're in a, we're still in the, in the place where, okay, uh, we can move a game to December 12th. We can move a game to, you know, whatever date. Uh, but if you're talking about, and, and this is, a, you know, we just saw Missouri have to postpone a game this week because of one positive test that happened to be at a position group where they already had, they were already down several guys and then contact racing took out more. You're telling me that couldn't happen three days before the semifinal? One guy test positive, contact racing, why stop more? We can't play. We gotta, uh, we're not gonna be able to play this game for another 10 to 14 days. That's where it gets really messy, right? So I think you gotta do whatever you can to make sure those games are played on time i think you know i think you were right i i do agree with you i didn't when when i read it this morning i was like yeah that's you know you i come back to this word and it's just a it's just kind of a um it's it's kind of a useless word in 2020 and that's ideal i was like yeah it's not ideal to try to do that it's like yeah, yeah well that's not you know like at this point we're playing the masters in november i can't imagine that's ideal but uh but you're doing what you got to do right yeah. I mean, it would not be ideal to not play the Rose Bowl. Don't get me wrong. Like, that would be a huge, huge ask. Like, hey, Tournament of Roses, I know you play your game on January 1st in Pasadena every year for 100 years, but could you we'll, – we'll still call it the Rose Bowl, but we're going to play it at um, AT&T Stadium. Like, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a tough ask. On the other hand, the Rose Bowl is going to lose a ton of money this year if they can't sell tickets to it. They might actually say, you know what, fine. <laughs> You know, we because in Dallas you can put twenty twenty five thousand people in the stands. We actually be able to sell some tickets to it. Yeah, I mean, look, these are these are all open ended questions. I, I would also kind of the uh, kind of tag this by saying, look, you know, I think you and I and I know personally, I've just kind of like been the games have been a great way to get through the pandemic. Not just college football games, you know, NBA games, baseball games, certainly NFL games. Um, and the elephant in the room, you can't ignore it when the SEC's had, you know, more than half its games kind of wiped off the calendar this weekend. And, and here's a timely quote from Jimbo Fisher that I just, that just happened as we're talking. And this is not the first time we've heard this. He so A&M had to postpone their game, relatively small number of tests, but contact tracing. Jimbo Fisher said he suspects the outbreak came from traveling and cramped visiting locker room. That was the concern Baylor had, right? And honestly, that, you know, when um, we talked about Wisconsin playing Illinois in that Friday night game, I, you know, who knows exactly what it is, but it's like, in all likelihood, you're not, I don't think people are that are as worried about it actually happening during the, you know, the three and a half hours of a game as much it is, as it is cramp locker room, 
or at a team meal or something you know around the game and that's the point of the of the contact tracing isn't just like well you can't play in the game it's like you cannot be around uh here for now um yeah i mean that's where you're getting into they do they these teams work so hard to um to to protect their bubble right their their team facility and they can make all these precautions and but you just don't have much control when you're playing, you know, at a visiting stadium that might have a cramped visiting locker room. We've seen, we've seen video. I, look, this I don't know when Sam Pittman, you know, Sam Pittman, the Arkansas coach, got COVID. We don't know when it happened or what. But there was a a video of him celebrating in the locker room with the team, and like they're all wedged together in a tight space. And well, you know, is it any surprise that that could happen if somebody, you know, I know you're supposed to be testing them before they go so that. You know, so that here's the thing on that. Nobody on your trip is clean. Yeah, here's the thing on that. Nobody on your trip is is infected. I was uh, on his call this morning on the SEC on the SEC teleconference. Nobody on Arkansas since Sam Pittman has tested positive, and he also said his wife got tested. She wasn't positive or hasn't been positive. So that's good. Yeah, I think it's you know like I think a lot of people are of the mind that it's like. Well, this didn't happen. This happened, so it's got to be this. Or this didn't happen, so it can't be that. And the reality is, I think what you're what what's going on here is you're trying to reduce reduce as many realistic possibilities of risk as possible. Doesn't mean that like, oh wait, we shouldn't we shouldn't contact trace because you know, look, there's an example. There are examples of why you need to do it, and there's examples of of maybe you maybe it worked out and it didn't need to happen but it doesn't mean it you know like you can't be uh responsible about it i think that's just what the some of the experts have been trying to tell us well yeah i mean i think there's a lot of frustration because i mean when i saw um i was uh ad gary barda say that they just don't do contact tracing because they test every day that was that was alarming to say the least however on the other i can totally see the other side of it which is I mean, and we've heard this from coaches. How frustrating must it be to be a player who, just because you came in close proximity to somebody, you have to quarantine for 14 days. You can't test out of it. You can test negative every day for 12 days. You're still stuck for 14 days. You know, I can totally see the the other side of it where that may seem um, overly cautious, but they're just following CDC guidelines on that. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. What do you say we, we lighten things up here a little bit? And uh, because LSU-Alabama got wiped out, which was, you know, even though I think we Alabama was going to crush them, it was the marquee game. Let me ask you something. What is the quote-unquote biggest game in the country this week? Uh, I'll give you some choices. Okay. Notre Dame at BC. Um. Northwestern at Purdue, Wisconsin at Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska. What? Anything? Anything? Uh, <laughs> like Penn appealing State. to you? The team has won a game. What are you doing? 
These, okay, I'll just give you. These are the games that we are doing for our picks this week. I understand. Iowa, Iowa at Minnesota, Indiana at Michigan State, Miami at Virginia State. You know, of the, all Notre these Dame games you've mentioned to me, Stu. Yeah. Um, Oregon is one and zero. Wazoo is one and zero. Right. Um. Is is that it? Is that the only matchup of unbe- unbeaten?s well, yeah, but we're pretty late into the season to have I get it. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, right oh, now. Oh, no, no, no. No, you overlooked one. 3-0 and Northwestern at 2-0 and Purdue. Okay. Um, man, is that really it? <laughs> I think that that one may have the most. That Northwestern and Purdue is, has, you know, serious. Uh, uh, Big Ten West implications. Big Ten West implications. I think the biggest is Notre Dame at BC because Notre Dame's coming off this huge win and bc had that big lead in but bc is pretty good um and we know the history obviously notre dame the david gordon game yes so that's probably the most i would say that's the most glamorous one but still i mean bc is an unranked team and uh yeah don't get me wrong i i will i will take the games we have i'm not going to take anything for granted this season but yeah, you're really reaching for. I thought you were lightening the loads, too. <laughs> well, I'm. I'd rather talk about this than contact tracing. No, you're right. You're right. Um, wow, I didn't. You know what? I haven't gotten to do our picks. I usually do it after lunch, and man, that's. You know, look, I'm glad those those Big Ten games are there. I, you know, I'm curious to see. You know, the Pac twelve Pac twelve was back, so I liked watching a lot of midweek action last night. So, um, yeah, that's that. You know what? Like, as you said, though, it, you know, even if the SEC games didn't get wiped off the board, um, when you go through them, as you said, LSU is not matching up with Alabama at this point this year. And Texas A&M was going to probably roll Tennessee, which comes in there on a four game losing streak. I don't feel that comfortable about Georgia hanging or Missouri hanging with Georgia. So, you know, what about what, Arkansas, Florida? Because that is being played as of now. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a 17 and a half point spread, though. Yikes. So that's one of the games in our win with Quinn segment that I know Brady and I are picking on TV on Saturday. And that's, you know, I don't know. Like Kyle Pitts is in concussion protocol as we speak. So who knows if maybe if he doesn't play, maybe that doesn't seem as as insurmountable as a Sam Pittman-less hogs against them. But um, okay, wait, I overlooked a, a sneaky, a sneaky under the radar one. Ohio State at Maryland. Maryland coming off a game where it just obliterated Penn State. They clearly have some guys on that offense, right? So I think we everybody will just assume Ohio State's going to roll. Um, Is this your upset special of the week? Are you teasing it? I like it, Stu. Uh, Way to be bold. I haven't even... Well, it wasn't even on our list. I haven't considered it yet. But, but you're, you're you're going upset special on this. Rakeem Beware Jarrett. Yeah. Ohio State's had some issues at cornerback. Rakeem Jarrett is a stud. You know who my favorite player in college football might be this year? Well, not my favorite in all of college football, but... Uh, I'm going to guess and say it is Peyton Ramsey. No, it's Jake Funk, the Maryland running back. Okay. Who is old? Is no as old business. as we are. <laughs> He's as old as we are. He it looks like he should be playing offensive line, and like, how is this guy? This guy is the last person who should be like breaking 60, 70 yard touchdown runs. But there he goes. He did it um, several times against 
Minnesota. I can't forget he ended up running for 200-something yards. Um, and this is a guy who'd barely played his first four years in college. Yeah, I remember we had their opener years ago. Uh, it was in the um, the time when, when DJ Durkin was in limbo there before he got fired. Um, and they were playing against Texas. And in our meeting, I remember, I'm trying to remember who the player was. We had a couple of the guys come in and... and I think we did and talk to them about and Jake Funk's name came up a little bit and um, God that seemed like he's so been long injured ago. a lot yeah yeah that was what was that 2018 opener yeah and he was beloved by his teammates so it was like well I watched the Friday night game they had against where where they jumped all over Minnesota for a bit and it was like they were scoring and scoring and everything I was like whoa I didn't you know I kind of forgot about him I didn't know he was still there. Yeah. Everybody had, but he's got wheels. Ohio State is a 25-point favorite against Maryland. I do not think I will be uh, picking that as an upset special, but I will strongly consider riding the Terps to cover. Okay. As always, you can send your questions to theaudiblepod at gmail.com, and uh, please give us a favorable review on whatever it is you guys review us on. How about that? We'll see you next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.